0: Welcome to all. Today's Dafa's Daf Memcha. So we are starting about the 10th line with the words Tashma. And today's, today's Dafa's sponsor, Lili Nishmas, Mars, Mirim, Sar, Bas, Rabi Yaakov, Maisha, Her Neshama should have an Aliyah. Lili Nishmas, Rabi Yosef, Yontif, Benar, Asher, Anchol. His Neshama should have an Aliyah. Now, let's recap where we're holding. We left off in the middle of Machlekis between Rabbi Yechen and Rishlakish regarding Kenyan Paris. If a person owns the rights to the produce that grows in a field, but doesn't actually own the field, is that still considered to some extent like he owns the field or not? So Rabbi Yechen says yes, and therefore this fellow would not only bring Bikurim from this land, but he would also say the Psukim of Mikra Bikurim, which include the words Ha'adam Satoli, because it's considered like he has land, whereas Ashlakish argues that he would bring Bikurim but not say the Psukim because it's not his land, so he can't say Ha'adam Now, we had said that this is Applies in a similar case when Yovel is noyeg. One who buys a field has to give it back by Yovel. So according to Shlakesh, the buyer is still considered to own the land itself, and therefore he would bring Bikurim and say the Pesukim. However, according to Shlakesh, since the seller knows that he's going to be getting the land back, he's only making the buyer the rights to the payers, So the buyer would not say the Pesukim. So Gamar attempts to bring right for Rabbi on Tashma. If a person buys a tree and the land surrounding the tree, maybe v'kayre. So he's going to bring Bikurim and say the Psukim. What do we see from here that even though the land is going to go back by Yovel, it's still considered like he owns the land, so he's going to say the psukim. The Gemara says, no, it's not a raya. And here we're we talking about at a time where there is no yayval. And therefore, only if he owns the land under the tree as well is he going to say the psukim. But if he doesn't own the land and he only owns the tree, so he wouldn't say the psukim. The Gemara tells another raya. If a person buys two trees in his friend's land, he brings Bikurim, but he does not say the psukim because buying two trees does not mean that he also bought the land. However, if he he buys three trees, so then he's going to bring Bikurim and he's going to say the Psukim because we know that when a person buys three trees in somebody else's field, he also acquires the land under the tree. And this is even though the land is going to go back by Yoivol. So, Rai for The Gemara says once again, no, hachinavim is in a Yaival This is also talking about a time when there is no yaval And therefore, if the person only bought two trees, he doesn't own the land, so he doesn't say Psukim. But if he buys three trees, he owns the land and it's his completely. It's not going to go back by Yoivol because there's no yaval So, he's going to say the Psukim. And this would be even a Lakesh. And now the Gemara provides a different answer for these two. Two questions. Hasha da Amarchda. Now that said, Machlikes Byvil Shane, the whole machine and Rishlakesh is only in regards to the second Yival, Aval Byaivil Rishin. But when we're talking about the first Yaival, everyone, even Shlakish, would agree that the buyer of the land would bring Bikurim and say the that because the seller of the land doesn't yet have confidence that he's gonna get it back, and we're gonna explain this in a moment. So now we can say Lloy Kasha, that these two questions we just asked are not problematic. And these two questions were reproved that's talking about Yaival Rishain. Whereas other scenarios where Shlakish says that he's not going to bring Bikurim, that's talking about Yaival Sheni. let's just explain what Rav said. Yaival only began once the Yidin entered Eretz Yisrael. And that first Yaival that took effect, which was 50 years after the Yidin entered, was very important because no one knew if they were actually going to receive their lands back. Therefore, up until the first Yaival, even according to Shlakish, anyone that sold land, sold it completely because again, they weren't so sure if they were going to get their land back. So therefore, the purchaser of the land would bring Bikurim and say the Psukim. And it's only after the first Yaival passed where People who sold their lands realized that they actually did receive them back, so then anyone that sold the land knew they were going to get it back, and therefore they were only selling it for the pay rice and not selling the actual land. Now, the like Mara suggests, let's say this whole concept of Kenyan pay rice, is it considered ke or not? Is But before we continue, we have to introduce something important. Up until now, we've been learning that a field is returned to its original owner once Yavil comes. But now we're going to take this a step further. What happens if a person is makdish their field? So it depends, and there's going to be a difference between something called a stayachuza versus a stay. Mikna. So let's see Ruven is Makdish's field. And then the Gizbar, who's a treasurer in charge of these affairs in the base of Mikdash, sells this field to Shimon. And Ruvain didn't redeem the field, and then Yaeval arrived. So the field leaves the possession of the buyer, Shimon, but it goes back to Hekdish and is divided up amongst the Kohanim and does not go back to Ruvain. And this is called Stehachuzah. Reuven is being Makdish, his ancestral land. That's what Nachuza means, the heritage that he receives from his ancestors. And in this case, Reuven is not going to get it back by Yaeval. However, let's say it was different. Ruvain sold a field to Shimon, and Shimon was the one that was Makdash it. Then the Gizber sold it to Levi, so at Yivel, it does go back to Ruvain, the original owner, and not to Hekdash. This is called stay Mikna, because who was Mactish the field? Shimon, the one that bought it from Ruvain. So it does not go to HaMikdash, it goes back to the original owner, Ruvain. So i going to present two different cases. Minalakh how do we know if a person bought a field from his own father, Vigdish, and then he was Makdish the field? me'is Aviv, and then his father died. How do we know that now it's considered like a stayachuzah and come it goes back to the Gizbar to the base of Mikdash and it doesn't go back to the son who was Makdashit? Tom Limer, because the Pasuk in regards to being Makdash a field says If a person is Makdash his miknah, which is not his stayachuza. What do we learn from here? The Pasuk's telling us that a field which is not fit to be a stayachuzah it's only a miknah, meaning it was purchased from somebody and wasn't inherited so when the buyer is Mokdash that field and the Gizbar sells it to somebody else, the field goes back to the original owner when it's Yival. But Yasuzu, excluding this case, where the son had purchased it from his father, was Mokdash it, and then his father died, the that field is fitting to be a Steakhuza, because once his father dies, the son is Roy right to inherit this field from his father, and therefore it has the din of a Stehuza, and it's not gonna go back to the son when it's Yaival time. Then and Reb Shemin, that's what Rebbe and Reb Shemin say. Now, if Meir Armir of argues, and he says that this pasuk is talking about a different scenario. How do we know if a person buys a field from his father, and then his father died and only afterwards he was makdish the field, and then the gizbar sold the field to somebody else? How do we know in this case it's considered like a steh and come Yoyvel time, it doesn't go back to the sun? Tom because the Pasuk says if he's makdish a field, which is a steh mikna, which is not a steh And what do we learn from here? This Pasuk only applies to a field, which is not a steh But yet- zoo it excludes this case, Shehis De'Achuza, the son was the field already once it was considered a ste'ah because remember, in Rameir's case, the son was makdish the field after his father died. So even though he had first purchased the field from his father, since his father subsequently died, that means he inherited the field, and now it's considered a stay and now that he's makdish it and the Gizber sold to somebody else, it doesn't go back to the son. And now we analyze, Ve'il Reb Yud Reb In regards to this case that Rameir just brought up, that the father died and then the son was machdash the field that he had previously purchased from the father. We don't need a pasuk to tell us that that's considered a sdei chuza and it doesn't go back to the son by Yo-e-vel. And We only need a pasuk for the case Rabbi Judan and were talking about, where the son was first machdash the field and then his father died. So now we analyze this. It must be what's Then when a person purchases the rights to the pairs of the field, it's like he bought the field itself, and therefore, even though when the son bought the field from his father, he technically only has rights to the peres because the field itself still belongs. To the father, it's still considered like he has a kinyan haguf in the field. And it's Ubaha in this case, Aviv Hudla Yaris v'leimidi, when his father dies, he's not yarning anything, because since he had bought the field from his father, and it's considered like he has a Kinyan Haguf on this field already, so he's not really yarshining anything from his father, and therefore you would think that maybe this field should still be considered a sde mikna, behilka aviv That's why, in the situation when his father dies, and afterwards he's used this field that he had previously purchased from his father, that's why Nidaposak say, then no, it's considered a stehachuza, because even though he had originally bought the field from his father, since his father had died before he was shit, now the field turns into a stehachuza by him, and now that his son is shit, he's not going to get it back by yoival. Whereas Rebihud Reb Shimon and Savi Shimon hold that Kenyan Peiris left a Kinyon Govdami, that buying a field just for Paris is not like he actually bought the field, and therefore, when the son bought the field from the father, it's not like he owns the field itself, and in this case, when his father died, hashtu the koyoris, it's only considered like he's yarshining it right right now, because previously he didn't really own the field. Therefore, in this case, there of Meir brought up, where the father had died, and only then the son was maktish the field. We don't need a posik to say that the field is considered a Of course it's considered a and what do Rabbi Shem and Rabbi need the posik for? That's only for the case where the son was maktish the field, and then his father died. In such a case, one would be inclined to say that he was really just maktish a Steh because he was maktish it after he purchased it, before the father died. And the chiddush in the pasuk is that even though his father died after he was machdishe, it's still considered a stay a and it doesn't come back to him by yoival. So it seems to be that we have a machlekes tanoim. Whether or not Kenyan Paris is Kenyan Aguf, guf. says no. I'm Rav Nachman Yitzchak. Really, I could tell you, but Amukasai, Rabbi Yehudah, Rabbi Shimon, Kenyan Paris is Aguf. Tell me that really, Rabbi and Reb Shimon would agree that Kenyan Paris is Kenyan Aguf. So why do they say this pasuk applies to the case where the son was makdish the field and only then his father died? Technically, it's not considered to stay a in that case. So Vahacha, Rabbi Yehudah, Reb Shimon, crossed. Over here, Reb Yudin, Reb Shimon found another pasuk and they darshined it. What does it mean they found another pasuk? There's an extra word in this pasuk that we're discussing. Really, Lichten Rechmanah, the pasuk should have written, If a person's his histei mikna, which is not his achuza, my misdei achuzasay. Why does the pasuk repeat the word sade? The pasuk says, If he's his stay mikna, which is not his stay achuza. But we're already talking about a field in the pasuk. So why do we have to repeat misdei? Telling us <speaking in Hebrew> that this possibility is only applying to a field that can't possibly be a Steachuza. Yasu, <speaking in Hebrew> excluding this case, <speaking in Hebrew> it's fitting to be a Steachhuza because if he hadn't bought the field from his father and his father had died, so then it'd be considered a Steakhuza. And therefore, say Shimon, even though he had bought the field from his father and was mocked the before his father died, it's still considered a Steakhuza and wouldn't come back to him by yaval So we don't have a right there's a tanoim whether or not kin in Paris is Kekinya agof. Now continuing to discuss. Shitz Rabbi Yechonon. Rabbi Yechonon says, "I love Rabbi If not for the fact Rabbi said Kenyan Paris Kena ki Govdami,' then owning the rights to the Paris is like he owns the land itself. Loi matzuy other regular base hamedrash. Literally, this means he wouldn't find his hands and feet in the base medrash. In other words, we'd have a real problem with a different sheet of his, and he wouldn't really have a valid answer for what he says. What is it that he says that we would have a problem with? Rabbi Yechonon. Rabbi Yechonon said, 'B'shem Rabbi Yechonon, ha'achen shachalku lekuchashein machazir nizel zaviyaval brothers that split Erusha. They're just considered like purchasers. I mean, it's like they're buying the field off of the other one." And therefore, each one has to return their half of the field to the other one come Yovel time. Now, if you're going to say the Kenyan Paris is Lav ke we would never find that a person would have to bring Bikurim and say the psukim, El chad bar chad ad Yeshua unless we're dealing with an only son, who's the son of an only son, the son of an only son, all the way till Yeshua benun. Why is that? So let's speak it out. If we say the Kenyan Paris is Lav ke so then, when Yaakov dies and he leaves his field to Reuven and Shemin, so Reuven and Shemin, according to Rebbeachon, are just they're just buying the field. Off of each other, and they'd have to return it to each other at yovel time. So that means that when these brothers, Reuven and Shimon, are bringing Bikurim, they wouldn't say the Psukim because they don't actually own the land. They're just like buyers, and they'd have to return that land yovel time. And now when Reuben and Shimon die and they leave this land to their sons, their sons would have the same issue. They would bring Bikurim, but they wouldn't say the Psukim because they don't really own the land. They just bought the rights to the fruits, and they just have to return the land at yovel time. So basically, that means, according to this member from Rabbi no one would ever have to bring Bikurim and say the Psukim unless they're an only son, the son of an only son that goes all the way back to Yeshua Binun and only then they're the full rightful owner of the land. So that's why Rabbi Yeshef is saying that it's very good that Rabbi Yechon holds that Kenyan Paris is ke Kenyan Agof, because now these brothers who split the Yerusha, even though they're considered Lukuchas, they're considered purchasers, purchas, they now have to return it by Yaeval, still it calls when it's not Yaeval, it's considered like they own the land itself, and therefore they'd bring Bikurim and say the Pesokim. But like more continues with the Raya for Eshlakesh. Amarav, Aravah says, There's a Pasuk and a Braisa that's Raya for Lakish. Kura, what's the Pasuk? Memches on the top, the Pasuk tells us, Based off the numbers of Years of grain, that's what he should sell it to you for. And it's referring to selling a field when Yoivol is noyeg. Then what's the purchase price of the field based off of? The number of years of grain that it's going to produce. So clearly we see a field being sold during Yoivol is only for the fruit and not for the land because the Pusik tells us based off of the years of grain that it's going to produce and doesn't say anything about the land. Now Masnisa, what's the that's for The have a brisa. a Pishnayim? is going to take double from a field that's going to come back to his father by yoyvel. What's this referring to? So we know that a Bukhar, firstborn son, receives double portion of the inheritance, but that's only from something that his father owns at the time of death. However, if his father is not considered to be muhzik at this at the time of death, even though it's eventually going to come to the father, the Bukhar does not get double. So here we have a father who sold his field and then died. The field will come back to the children Yoyvel time, and the process says that the Bukhar gets double in this field. Now, the only way he can get double is if we say like Rish the that Kenyan Paris is lav ke kenyan and therefore even though the field was sold, the father always retained ownership of it. So when he died, it's still considered muhzik by him. And another Reif Reish Lakish Amr Rabbi Rabbi says, Naktinon, We know that if a husband wants to enter a din Torah that has to do with the property of his wife, he needs Harsha, which is a written consent form that he's allowed to get involved in this. So this refers to property that his wife brought into the marriage and the husband has rights to the pay but not rights to the land itself. Unless, for example, the lady sold the land and this fellow whom she sold it to is bring her to a din Torah in regards to the land so that fellow can technically tell the husband you're not allowed to represent your wife you only have Kenyan Paris in this and Kenyan Paris is love ke Kenyan that's why he needs a Harsha, a written consent form that allows him to get involved in the dentira clearly right for Eshlakish. However, Amrun, we only said this, that's only if the Din Taira is not going down to the fruit, meaning they're only talking about the land. However, if the Din Taira also has to do with the fruits that grow on the land, since the husband is allowed to get involved because he has rights to the fruit, dinah he also can get involved in the Din Taira in regards to the land itself. Mazdar finishing the fourth of Get in. just like we were going to finish this parak together, we should be going to finish the entire Masech together, and of course, all of Shas together. And on to the brand new parak. The Mishnah says, HaNazikin, When we're dealing with damages, we value it based off of the best. just And we're dealing with the of a woman, that's with the worst. So let's just clarify these terms. Idis means the best land. Bainus is average land, and Ziburus is the poorest quality. So when we're talking about Nazikin, let's say Ruven was damaged by Shimon, he collects payment from Shimon's Idis. Even though he's gonna receive less land because hundred dollars buys less idis than Ziburis, it's still worthwhile for Ruven to get Idis. When we're dealing with Reuven, let's say Ruin lent Shimon money. He only collects from Shimon's baininess. whereas when we're dealing with a ksuba of Aisha, isha, let's say Reuven's wife is odor ksuba, she only collects from zibures. However, if Meir, if Meir says af isha even ksuba isha is paid with beniness. Another halacha: in we don't pay with Nechasim that are mishubadim, meaning that have a lien on them. If there's nachasim bnei chayrin, meaning nachasim that don't have a lien on them, but hein zibures, even if those Nechasim bnei chayrin are zibures. So let's say Reuven's collecting from Shimon and there's two fields available, one that's Mishubid, it has a lien on it to somebody else, and one that's a Benchairin, it's free. Meaning and there's no lien on it, Reuven has to collect from Benechairin, even if it's Ziburis. The mission continues that in front of Menechim Elman as we only collect the Ziburis from the properties of Usaimim. Let's say Ruben's collecting money owed him by Shimon from Shimon's Yussaimim, he has to collect from Ziburis. And also in my tzine, we're not going to take money from somebody, La Khila's for eating of the fruit, or for the appreciation of the value of the land, ishav or for the payment of food for wife and children, from property that's Meshobid, because of taken ailam. Now what are these first two things that we're talking about, Achila's in so let's say a ganav stole a field from Ruvain and sold it to Shimon who plowed and planted it. And only after the crop grew, Ruvain comes to take the field from Shimon. He only has to pay Shimon for the money invested into cultivating the field. Now, when Shimon goes to the ganav to get his money back, he can collect the cost of the field from the chasim But the value of the fruits that he lost—that's achilas peiros—he's only allowed to collect from the chasim And shavuach is let's say he invested in the land and now made it worth more money. That's also only allowed to be collected from And is when her woman and her daughter get mezaynes—they get sustenance from her husband's state, it's only paid from Nechasa mishubadim and not from Bnei And lastly, one that finds a Mitzia and gives it back to the person who lost it. And the person tells him, hey, this is not the entire thing. You're keeping some of it for yourself. We don't make the finder swear that this is the only thing that he found. Now, these last three words of the Mishnah really go on the entire Mishnah. All of this is because of Tikkun oilam Now, the Gmar asks on the first part of the Mishnah, you're telling me that the reason why, when we're dealing with nizakin, this has to be paid, is only because of Tikkun oilam because we want to make sure that the person is extra careful that he or his animal doesn't Damage and in order to prevent that we say, if you do damage, you're going to have to pay from Iddis? How can you say that's taken to Oilam? Because the Pazik tells us, He has to pay from the best of his field or from the best of his vineyard. So, Rabbi by answers, This mission is necessary for Rabbi Shmuel. The Midai Rabbi Shmuel says, The mid we evaluate damages based off of the best of the nizik, of the one who was damaged. Meaning, let's say ruvin was damaged, and his best is the same as Shimon's worst. So, mid so ruvin only gets Shimon's. Ziburis, because in relation to what he has, it's like he's receiving iddis. However, Kamash Shemelon, is is telling us, in order to prevent the damager from going and damaging other people, we evaluate the damager's best, that's the Mazik, and not the Nizik, the one who was damaged. The Gemara asks, My Rabbi Shmal, what's his member of Rabbi Shemel? The, the Pasek tells us, he has to pay from the best of his field and vineyard. Now, what's the best of his field and his vineyard? Rabbi Shemel says, this is referring to the best of the one who was damaged. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva argues and says, The Pazek is not being machmir on the Mazek. We're just simply saying that if the Mazek doesn't have any money, so we're going to collect for these damages from his best. And this is the Kavah to the Hektish, and we're going to explain what that means tomorrow. Let's say he ate something fat and juicy, so he would have to pay back with that. If he ate something weak, he has to pay back with with something fat and juicy. How does that make sense? If he only damaged something that was ziburis, why does he have to pay back? With Idis. So Amravitibar Af, and he answers, What are we talking about over here? The what was damaged, a row among other rows. Ruben has a field that has many different rows of things growing. Some of those rows are Idis, and some of them are Ziburis. But we don't know what was eaten, meaning what was damaged. Was something weak and not so good damaged, or something gishmak and juicy damaged? In this case, the one who damaged has to pay the very best. And that's what the Passock's talking about. But now Amravitibarava asks, If we we know that he ate kusha so he would have to pay kusha and he wouldn't have to pay anything more than that. But now that we don't know what he ate, so he has to pay the very best. Someone who wants to be mighty from his friend, he wants to take something from his friend, he's the one that has to bring the proof. So if Ruvin wants to get paid, idis, he wants to get paid the very best, he has to prove that that's what was eaten. And since he can't prove that, so why is it that it has to be paid? So he gives a different understanding. What are we talking about over here? The Mazik, the best of the Nizik, of the one who was damaged, is on the same level as the worst of the one who did the damaging. That's the Mazik. So Rabbi Shemallah holds, b'na Nizik Shaminon, that we evaluate and make the payment from the best of the Nizik, of the one who was damaged. Whereas Rabbi Kiva suffer, Rabbi Kiva holds, the Mazik we evaluate and pay the damages based off of the one who did the damaging. We're gonna stop over here, which is really right in the middle of the Sugya, but pick up with this tomorrow, continue to explain Rabbi Shmala and Rabbi Kiva's Shitas. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.